from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It's Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, powered by KF Media, broadcasting live from the Podcast Village Studios here in Upper Georgetown. Joining me as they do every Tuesday or every every week, uh, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, who served under last count four presidents. He is the man we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And to my left here in the studio, she is the former attorney for the Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign in Ohio. She's a member of the New York and New Jersey Bar. She is Sharmila Chari. Hello, Sharmila. Hi, Justin. Great to be back uh, in D.C. Somewhere out there in the hinterlands of Saratoga Springs at an undisclosed spot, Audrey Howerton, our producer, our associate producer, is Manny. Manny is here, back doing her thing. And, of course, executive producer, Deb Chandler, is out somewhere in the studio. Uh, we got a lot to cover, obviously. Let's get to it. The The immigration policy issue has come up in a big way. For those who do not know or have been living under a rock for some reason, there is a caravan currently coming up from Honduras through Mexico to the United States. This has drawn the ire and the attention of one President Donald J. Trump. The president this week in his tweets in his tweets have made se- several questionable claims concerning the immigrants and the immigration caravan among them that quote unknown middle easterners are quote unquote mixed in with the caravan uh, as long as talking about criminals and other undesirables in this group uh, the the question, the unknown Middle Easters, we don't get. We don't know. Also, there's been talk about them holding up and carrying, uh, almost everybody carrying a Honduran flag in this caravan. That is categorically not true. Uh, and second of all, this is a caravan that also includes others from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. But they're claiming that the administration is claiming that they were paid by George Soros, not George Soros personally, but the Soros, I guess, cabal of organizations in that area, and that this is a uh, this is a democratic ploy for midterms. And by the way, he's also put out ads blaming, you know, if you're going to vote, vote Republican because the Democrats are evil and they caused this. Uh, Let's start with let's start with the caravan itself. Alan Moore, you've dealt with. Uh, I mean, this is a humanitarian crisis. What we're dealing with in Central America, and and now what we saw in Syria is in our backyard. I mean, are we fully prepared to handle just this humanitarian crisis that we're dealing with? Well, we're we're prepared to to deal with all sorts of crises. Uh, much we're, we're prepared to deal with much more than this. Um, let's think about what this is and what it is not. It's not what the president says it is, but it is important. And it, and it, it is, uh, uh, something that we need to pay attention to and figure out a response to. Um, it is at the moment about 7,000 people walking to the Southern border of the United States. 
they are still more than a thousand miles away from the southern border. They are weeks away. Those are that is the ones who will make it. Yeah. Many have already stopped. Some number have turned around. It, some have decided to stay in Mexico. It appears that some have, uh, others have joined. Yeah. Um, and we're not sure who they are. Uh, we just are pretty confident that they're not what the president says. That is, it's not filled with Middle Easterners and it's not filled with MS-13 folks. Is it possible that there's some Middle Easterners? Yes. Is it possible that there's some young people who either today or more likely in the future might join a gang? Entirely possible. We just are there members don't of the have gang a, in there. It's possible. We, it's we, thousands. We, we don't have a sense. It's thousands of, of, that. of people. What though. it is not more likely. It's young people who are trying to escape those gangs. Right. It's, it's just, we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, it's just not um, what the president says. The irony here is that that, that the president. There's an issue here that deserves attention on the part of the American people. If thousands of folks are going to show up on our border uh, in in coming weeks and on an annual basis, and if each year those numbers keep growing because people uh, think that they have a decent shot of getting in, then we have arguably at some level lost some of the control of our border and we need to pay attention. We need to figure out collectively together what our policy is. And the policy is not to demonize them. It's not to lie about who they are. It's to acknowledge who they are and figure out with our Southern partners, Mexico and the home countries of these folks, what our response should be. But Sharmla, this is a very this is immigration's always been a very difficult question for any administration. It seems to be extremely difficult for this administration to handle. Uh, but instead of dealing with the reality, they have over politicized the immigration situation to play into midterms. I, I mean, to make a claim that they were paying people to come to the U.S. in Honduras, that there were Americans giving out cash is categorically false and ludicrous, to say the least. Uh, Does, I mean, does the administration really believe that the American people are that uh, blind or, or ignorant to think that Democrats are literally pushing migrants to the border for political purposes. Well, look, this is certainly not the first instance of this administration pushing out false information and knowing that they're not really going to get pushback on it from their base or from a lot of, you know, the media that's sort of on their side of the spectrum. So I think that that question is moot, but I think that to Alan's point, there needs to be a much larger discussion. I don't Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen within this administration because this administration has shown a complete lack of ability to be thoughtful about these policies. But there needs to be a conversation about what is our responsibility in this scenario and what can the United States do to be alleviating the underlying cause of this humanitarian crisis in the Latin American countries, in El Salvador, in Guatemala, in Honduras? Why 
are these mass migration patterns happening? Why are these caravans being formed? Right. We're never going to stop the inflow of any immigrants from our southern border. That is an impossibility. And, and I'll tell you, what bugs the living bejesus out of me, Alan, is the Republican Party today, our party. The abject ignorance of senior officials in our party that talk about this caravan issue and other immigration issues. You have dealt with refugee crises before in your lifetime. I have dealt with migrant interdiction uh, for a good part of my professional career in in law enforcement and in the Coast Guard. Until you've seen or encountered a family that literally risked their lives to cross a desert, to cross a ocean, to get to something better or protect their own family, don't tell me that you can identify with these people that they're just coming here for a job, free money, and free college. That is that that's the problem I have with the Republican Party, and nobody will deal with it. Well, go ahead. I mean, Alan, go ahead and then Sharon will. Well, let's not <laughs> let's not smear the entire Republican Party with some of the nonsense that the president is spewing. There are not other Republicans who are using the lines he's talking about about the a caravan full of. Middle Easterners, Middle Easterners and, 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 criminals. Of, and of, and of, criminals. And of MS-13 criminals who, who want to, to, to do harm. Or there's no one else saying that Democrats created this and are paying people. That's just such total on-its-face nonsense that, that you're not finding other people talking about that. What's, what's bizarre to me is that the, the president has chosen to to use that exaggerated nonsense in describing what's going on rather than to say, folks, there are multiple problems here. Yes, there are problems at in, in their home countries, economic problems and issues of safety. But yes, there's also a notion in many of these countries that if, the, if these guys can get to the American border, they can get in, and one way or the other, they have a good chance of staying. But, and the but more that is that if that, they're claiming the, asylum. Well, they have to get here to be able to claim asylum, and they have to get in. in. The, the, the numbers this year are bigger than the numbers last year. The numbers last year are bigger than the numbers before. The, the, this thing is a cycle that can feed on itself that we need to pay attention to and try to come up with some kind of a of a but, U.S. But, but policy. This is the problem, but this is the problem that the Republican Party has been playing on this situation specifically is that look at all the illegal immigrants. They're not illegal until they cross the border without authorization. All they are are migrants right now. They are not illegal immigrants, but yet that is the tagline that the that the Republican Party is using. Well, I don't agree that that's a tagline the Republican what, what, what Party are they is using. using. What, what are they saying? They, first of all, it's the president who's talking. It's the president who's doing all the talking. Alan, you can't say it's, that it's some kind of Republican narrative. Well, give me some examples then. Don't you know the, the president is talking? It's it it's an issue that he's trying to turn into a midterms issue, and these images on the television are concerning images, concerning about are these numbers 
going to arrive on our border, and then what will happen? As I pointed out before, they're over a thousand miles away, and a lot of them will never make it to our southern border because it's women and kids, and they can't walk fifteen hundred miles. Um, but but right now, it's all about the midterms. The the weird thing is, the president I think could make could could make this for him a usable political issue, but he's blowing it. By this exaggerated, ugly, nasty, and There's wrong not a single rhetoric. truth that has come out of the White House is specifically. Let me rephrase that. There is not a single truth that has come out of the Oval Office regarding this particular caravan all week. I have not seen one, other than the fact that. Let me rephrase it. There has been one truth. They are in Mexico. That's the only true thing that has come out of the president's mouth regarding this. And it just seems to me that the Republican Party, Sharma, has lost the compassion that we've had where, laugh as people will, George W. Bush was a very compassionate Republican when it came to migration, immigration, etc. There were areas where he was tough, but we have, as, as a party, a history of being compassionate at times. Well, look, I, I agree with Alan's point that I think that the Republicans are setting this caravan up to use as a midterms issue because even though, to your point, Justin, they are not illegal immigrants currently, they are simply migrants who are migrating northward, the administration will happily use that as evidence that this country has weak border policies and if it had stronger border policies, this migrant caravan would never be would never be on the road in the first place notwithstanding the fact that they all started knowing that Donald Trump is president and Donald Trump is no friend to the Central American migrants. So I think that, you know, even though the logic is flawed, Alan is right that the administration will be more than happy to use this as an issue to gear up their base and to propose really ludicrous policies such as cutting foreign aid to Mexico and these Latin American countries that quote unquote, let these citizens out when, you know, that is for anyone who understands immigration or border policy, an absurd statement. But I think that while his campaign rhetoric is odious, as it always is, he uses it as a way to distract us from the more dangerous thing he is doing, which is to cut foreign aid, to, you know, antagonize our neighbors that need to be our allies in this border fight, to to demonize people who are other and people who are struggling and people who are searching for a better life. That's what we need to be focusing on more than sort of the misinformation that he's disseminating because we do that to our to our peril and to our sort of the peril of the integrity of this country. There's, hey. a, there's an irony. Uh, Justin, that? you were talking about uh, about where, where are the other Republican voices. Um, and right now they're focusing on the midterm and it's like, I don't want to get into a fight with my president on this, even though I totally disagree. And you'll find a little quiet right. notion here and right. there. Same thing with the Democrats. The Democrats aren't speaking out. They're not making this a huge issue. They realize that the images of thousands of people down in Mexico making their way north Trying to get to America, not to get to Mexico City, not to get to some safe place in Mexico. They want to get to America. That's very clear. That's what they say. And 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 no one in in politics at the moment wants to make that their issue other than the president with 
this with and with, he's winning with these with these, with these lies that he uses to demonize these people. But that goes back to the absolute categorical ignorance of the American electorate to buy into this. This base is buying it hook, line, and sinker. And what gets me? I mean, look, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna talk about this later in the week when we talk about his poll numbers. They're the highest he's ever been. So, just be. I mean, what I don't, what I don't accept is that that all Republicans and Democrats are buying into his rhetoric. What I see is concern way broader than among just Republicans. Concern that. Thousands of people are heading north trying to figure out a way to get across the border and somehow get into America where they can hopefully stay, ideally legally, if not legally, then then illegally. And the more people that succeed in coming north, getting across, um, uh, depending upon what the situation is that they're leaving, um, the more will keep coming. And that is an issue that, as I said at the beginning, requires the United States Congress and the president to struggle with, to wrestle with, to come up with a policy about, not to demonize, not to threaten, but to say there are problems in those countries. There are also some problems in our history of allowing illegal, illegal immigrants to get into this country and millions are, are are able to stay, and and before the before the doors are totally shut, there's this almost desperation. Get up there now, folks! It's not going to get easier as time passes. But here's the funny thing about this: the absolute funny thing about this is that uh, we talk about the. I lost my train of thought. Son of a, you know, you know what? That's what happens sometimes. You just sit there and you've got all these thoughts racing through your head, and you just lose train of thought. And I could see well, in your eyes it was a brilliant. It was thought. a good. It, it was, was a really. I know. And how that, often that does that happen? Yeah. yeah. Son of a bitch. Well, if I can add on to one thing that Alan was saying, Alan is right that the Democrats are not going to to take this issue and also run with it. Right. The Democrats need Donald Trump to be at his most to them odious and his most you know awful rhetoric because it fires up their base for the midterms, right? We've seen the stories, and I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but we've seen the stories that Trump's poll numbers are up. This sort of talk that's consumed 2018 of a blue wave is looking like it's diminishing, and Democrats need their base to feel that righteous anger again. How did you guys screw up an opportunity like that? I mean, seriously. You know, to, to quote, and by the way, I, and by the way, the one I'm going to absolutely just jump on is David Mortlock when he comes in for the next half hour. Well, you know, to, uh, to, how did you screw this up? To quote our dear friend Dan Lipner, never underestimate the Democrats' ability to snatch to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. Wow, I, I, I literally, literally, yours I to that, lose. I think that from a from a psychological perspective, when I think about it, and I was just discussing this with a good friend earlier today. It was hard to sustain that level of anger for this amount of time. I don't know how the Republican Party does it, but, you know, this furor really peaked. I mean, the furor peaked in about February 2018. Then it peaked again sometime in fall of 2017 with the ACA repeal. And then it really peaked again in June and July with the child migrant crisis and, you know, the detention centers and the kids in cages. As Rachel and, and by the way, say. here's the great thing about it is today 
it it's leaked out that the president wants to reinstitute family separation again. And th- right. <laughs> and the problem is that he he overloaded us with outrage at the beginning. And now nothing else shocks us. And so the anger has really turned into, I think, cynicism and despair. And I do think the Democrats have succeeded in getting, they will get higher turnout in this election than they have historically, but I don't know that it'll be enough. I, I think that- that I want to touch on that point. And Alan, I want to go to you, hold on to that thought, because Cheryl brings up a really good point here. Has Donald Trump made America punch drunk at midterms? Well- Punch drunk is a you know that's that. I mean, that, literally, he's just it's one, body blow, body it's blow, one body blow. And you're that, like, all that, right, that you that you can use. I mean, he has he has normalized untruths. He has normalized ugliness. He is uh, normalized um, his own special brand of of uh, misogynistic anti anti women uh, behavior. Um, and what happens is people tend to shake their head at the absurdity of stuff um, or even laugh even though it's offensive because it's something we're now used to. He has normalized the ugliness. And as much as I can't believe I'm saying this, you can't just blame Donald Trump. You also have to blame the media cycle that we're in, right? Because it's not just that Donald Trump has normalize this egregious behavior, which he absolutely has. But it's the fact that the media treats every single instance of his behavior as equal but, when they are not, right? Because But that's the we, reality we live in right now, Sharma. Right. I mean, really. And so I think the combination of the two, Justin, has made us punch drunk, right? It has made us just numb to every additional I mean, what was scandal. What was the last time we talked about what was the last time we talked about a a bill in Congress? Oh, of course not. But think about think about things that under any other presidency would be deal breakers. Think about the New York Times story about his and his family's tax tax issues, you know, between him, Jared Kushner, his children, all these series the New York Times have done that would have ruined any other presidency bounce off him. All right, we got uh, less than two minutes left in the segment. Uh, Alan Moore, you're going to have the last word. I mean, is this, is this the hand grenade on the table for the Democrats' blue wave. Well, <laughs> this this issue is not helping Democrats in the midterms, right? And it won't. And the the president is doing his best to outrage people by so totally exaggerating uh, the actual facts. But the images are powerful, and it bothers many Americans of both parties. They hate the rhetoric. They hate the ugliness. They hate the lies. But those images don't lie. The images right. are real and people think, oh, my gosh, they're, they're, they're coming north. And, and even if it's all mothers and children, we can't take them all in. We need a system that, that prioritizes, right. that assesses, um, and, and um, it, it is a it is a. A set of images. But I think I think it's that, even more basic all than Ameri- that, though. That most Americans kind it, of react to th- and think, what are we doing about this? I, th- I think it's more basic than that. I think what Americans need to do is truly under understand what asylum is and why it is something we need to pay attention to and why 
we offered it in the, in the, since the creation of this country. Well, we've shut down uh, asylee, uh, uh, asylum and refugee opportunities for people around right. the world from the, from the Middle East and so on um, who really are in war zones. Right. Right. It's true. It's a sick situation. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, David Mortlock should be out in the uh, green room ready to come in. And we're going to talk about the continuing struggle of uh, Washington dealing with the Jamal Khashoggi issue and the issue with the Saudi kingdom in Riyadh. This is Backroom Politics, powered by KF Media. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. My heart is aching because he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in, he packed and went away. What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel today. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back with the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, powered by KF Media. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me as they do every show, Alan Moore, Sharmila Chari here in studio. We've got uh, our producers, Manny's here in studio with us, uh, Audrey Harriton, and of course our executive producer, Deb, is out in the studio here somewhere. Uh, let's talk about the continuing problem going on between the Saudi royal family and 
Washington, D.C. This has gotten very, very, very uh, difficult. It's gotten very tense. It has just become a nightmare for the administration. Uh, the latest has been, first of all, between the last time we were on the air, uh, which was Thursday, and now, the Saudi government has admitted that, in fact, Jamal Khashoggi, the uh, critic of the Saudi government and longtime Washington Post journalist, resident alien here in the United States, was in fact killed What in what the Saudi government describe as a fight that in- occurred inside the... Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Uh, the a panel has been commissioned by the Saudi government, which is being run by the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who many inside Intel and foreign affairs circles believe was probably, if not the mastermind, the final go-ahead for this intervention done by Saudi operatives in Istanbul. It is a very difficult situation. The There is now pressure on the White House to really drop the hammer and put in some serious punishment and sanctions against the Saudi government, whether or not the president and the White House will do that as yet to be seen. I mean, let's start with the obvious. First of all, does the Saudi government, Sharmla, really believe that we're going to stand by with the death of an American journalist and just accept their, yeah, it was kind of a fight that kind of went wrong, and just kind of say, oopsie? Because that's apparently what the Saudi government feels like we should do or are going to do. Obviously, the Saudi government did believe that, right? They they know that Donald Trump and this administration have a long record of tolerating human rights abuses and have cozied up to authoritarian, authoritarian rulers who are documented doing far worse, committing far worse atrocities than, you know, anything that Mohammed bin Salman has done that, that we know of. Um, so, yes, I do believe, you know, especially considering the incredibly close relationship between uh, MBS and Jared Kushner, considering the fact that Donald Trump made Saudi Arabia his first foreign visit and that one of the crown jewels of his, in his own mind, uh, of his accomplishments during his tenure has been the $110 billion arms deal that, you know, has been consummated between the two countries. So I do think that the Saudis fully believe that they can get away with it. I think that what they did not anticipate was the intense backlash from the American public. I think that this has the biggest unintended consequence for them has been this spotlight shown on them that that reveals that there is still an incredibly ugly and repressive side to Saudi society when MBS had been on this full court press to really um, to really portray himself as a reformer and someone who's going to bring Saudi Arabia and, you know, by extension, the rest of the Islamic world into the 21st century in terms of, you know, being able to compete and play on the same playing field as the Western developed nations. So I think that, you know, the fact that 
I'm not sure what the percentage was, but it seemed like, you know, some 60 percent of the sponsors of their Davos in the Desert Summit pulled out of the conference after the after Hoshogi's disappearance was something that they did not anticipate. And that's, you know, such a core part of their, you know, vision 2030 is dependent on foreign investment and sort of foreign cooperation with the Saudis development plans. And if they lose that, then that's going to be a lot more problematic for them than whether or not the Trump administration and and I want to come back. To, I want to come back to that, but the the evidence that this was just a tremendous setup is just becoming more and more evident. NBC recently was reporting that just a few months ago, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was invited up to uh, meet with the Crown Prince uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman's brother. Prince Khalid bin Solomon, who is the ambassador to the United States here in Washington. And it was a friendly meeting at the Saudi embassy, and uh, people with knowledge said that there was no problem, that Jamal Khashoggi had said, look, I'm just going to keep being critical until real changes happen. And the prince said, well, we're, we're going to make changes, you'll see, and hugged and left. And then Istanbul happens. I mean, it, it, it reads like a mystery novel. Alan Moore. I mean, this. I mean, the the, the complicity in in this by the Saudi royal family is just undeniable. Yeah, I, I think there, there's there's some things that are facts and some things that are speculation here. Um, we we did. It was reported that those two met a few months ago. We don't know what was said. Um, Khashoggi is. Uh, a, a legal resident in America. He's not an American citizen. Right. I'm just th- th- that that was misstated. Well, we, we, that was misstated earlier. No, no. He, he's yes. a legal. He's a legal. He is a legal it, alien. He's a legal resident alien in correct. the United States. That's you, what it said. You accidentally called him an American citizen. Anyway, I think it, you said American journalist. I said American no. journalist. Which so he's, he's technically not. He's not an American. Um, uh, and uh, but he was living in America. Uh, legally and writing for the Washington Post. Today, President Erdogan of Turkey uh, met, gave a speech to the parliament where he fleshed out more of the information that the Turks have gathered. One of the things that was particularly interesting, but it also helped helped us understand this timeline, was that on uh, on September 28th of Mr. K- you know, there's, we're not even sure how to pronounce his name because it's Khashoggi or Khashoggi. Kish- yeah. But 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 this victim went to the consulate in Istanbul September 28th, seeking to get the paperwork required for him to have permission to marry a Turkish woman in Turkey. He was told to come back in a week. At that point, this team of 15 people on two different private planes came from Riyadh to prepare to meet right. him. Right. So so that that for me With was, a bone it's, it's like With that, a bone Well, song. that's of course been been supported that that's been reported. I don't know if it's been confirmed. Um I mean he may it 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 may well have occurred that way. I don't know that we know that for sure. What we do know is that 15 people with close ties to the highest levels of the Saudi regime came. They were at the at the consulate when he arrived. They met him there 
and he never left there right. alive. We, 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 we that. don't. I understand we, that. We, we don't know what her, what occurred inside. Supposedly, there are some audio uh, which Turkish tapes, intelligence has, but we don't know for certain that they that exists, and we don't know what's on it. Well, what we do know is that the Saudis now acknowledge that he never left there alive. We don't know where his body is. Um, if we had, if if if. If we had his body, then experts could take a look and 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 have a greater assessment uh, of of what exactly happened to him. What this is, though, is so there's still questions unresolved, um, and 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 we should have some more answers pretty soon. The head of the of the U.S. CIA is in Turkey right now, meeting with the but, my, but the... last week, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had a meeting with King King Solomon and the Crown Prince Mohammed right. bin Solomon, and basically walked out. There's pictures of the Secretary of State smiling, jovial, kind discussions. When asked about the meetings, all he said is the Saudis basically are investigating. That's all we got out of Secretary of State. I, I mean, instead of delivering what I would believe would be a message, Sharmila, of, hey, not cool, we are not going to stand for this, fix this, or we're going to drop the hammer, it's kind of lukewarm neutral. Well, look. Again, this is the same scenario that's played out with multiple foreign leaders. This is, look at, you know, Kim Jong-un murdering his own brother in a Malaysian airport. Look at Vladimir Putin essentially directing election meddling activities in this country. Look at Rodrigo Duterte extrajudicially killing thousands of his own citizens. This administration has shown that it is does not care about those issues. That, you know, as long as... These administrations are playing nice with the Trump administration and either paying them lip service or giving them money. The administration is not going to make a stink about human rights violations. That is not an American democratic value that this administration is going to stand up for. You've seen Republican senators such as Marco Rubio, such as Barb Cork, Bob Corker, such as the late Senator McCain. They have been the ones to fill that void for the Republican Party. But I think it is a fool's errand to believe that this administration is going to start now making a stink over human rights abuses and making, you know, making hay over over incidents like this, where which obviously are horrifying and should be should be condemned, but they're not going to. I, I'm intrigued that both of you guys are ready to already conclude what our government's response is going to be prior to having all the information. We are getting the information, even the president, even the president who said after his conversation with with I with asked the king, for the tapes. I mean, Justin, let me finish my thought, if you don't mind. The president started out saying that he had talked to the king and said, and it, and, you know, and, and that sounded plausible. And he took grief for that from members of both parties and the press. And then he talked. He also talked to to the crown prince and got some some of the same early denials. Um, but the president's message, you got to you, you need to watch this because this president does this all the time. He will shift 
in a heartbeat. He will turn 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He has lately said, this is not adding up. They've got a problem here. Now, he also said that earlier stuff, which most of the press continues to ride on. I'm not, I'm not blaming them for that, but it's still early here. We're still getting this information. There may be tapes, and if there are, presumably we and the rest of the world are going to hear them. The Saudi story, even with the there was a fight and a chokehold, doesn't hold up. They put the they put Khashoggi's clothes onto a lookalike guy to walk out of the embassy, and it was okay. just bizarre but, but, and, but and again, weird. So we're gathering the information, and then to decide how to respond is not. We are now a going almost a straight, month, Alan. A month since the disappearance. It's and not a month. It's been close it's to a month. A, <laughs> how long has it been? We're still in October. It's been about three weeks. It was so. You know, it, it was. It, it's it was, almost a month. It was. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not gonna, anyway, let's just be but, precise. But okay, fine. Three weeks. He disappeared. But three they denied weeks. that anything happened to him. And in the last week, since last week when we did the show, we now know that the the Saudis have acknowledged. It took that him two weeks died. to acknowledge. Oh, what we already knew. What are, what, what, and that they what, lied. What we oh, look. I get it. I'm not defending them. But you're ready to condemn our government, who's got complex relationships with the Saudis, have looked away at years of horrendous human rights violations by the Saudis. This one suddenly is is big because, A, he was an American resident— uh, B. He working was a, for an American he, newspaper. He was. He was. He was a journalist. So all of the the America and the world's journalists have stepped up. Where were they when eight different women's rights advocates were arrested uh, and are still being held without charges um, weeks and months after their arrest? Um, Having said that, I absolutely agree. It's pretty clear that that the that the Saudis, you know, weren't weren't anticipating this. Whether they went there with the idea of killing him or taking him and bringing him home, which was my hunch is that that's that it was more likely a rendition uh, exercise that went that went south, um, and and would be every bit as outrageous. Well, almost as outrageous. It, it's not renditioning an American journal, a, a a journalist residing in the United States, working for an American newspaper, doing a rendition operation on that individual. Right. Is a smart move? No, I'm not saying it's a smart move. All I'm saying is I don't know that they intended to kill him in the first instance. Maybe they did. I don't know that. But we're still we're we're, we're gathering this information, and you can bet that 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 there's a lot of folks at in the White House, at State, at the CIA, at the NSA, yeah. at, at DoD, trying to figure out what is the right response here depending upon what we finally learn and the, it, the, the, the right response is and correct Sharma and alan correct me if i'm wrong is we have federal law that requires us to put in sanctions in this case i'm the talking Magnitsky about Act right. is I'm, clear. Talk, I'm talking about what kinds of sanctions make the most sense do we sever all ties now and forevermore with saudi arabia 
don't think so. So what do we do? Do we cancel all arms sales? Do we cancel some arms sales? You know, there's a whole bunch of bogus information we've talked about before. There aren't $110 billion and worth we've of deals. That. Correct. There's more like $20 billion, and there's a hope for some more. And it's not a half a million or a million employees in America. It's more like 25,000. But... It's it's and it it's not about the jobs. It's about the importance of Saudi Arabia in Middle East conversations, our relationship with Israel, with uh, with our relationship against Iran. Right, Charmla. Oh, you had something to say? Oh no, I was going to say um, to Alan's earlier point that it's not so much what their intent was; it's that they obviously had malintent. They obviously, whether they intended to simply rendition him or to kill him outright. The idea is that they still intended harmful consequences on a journalist who had not committed a crime. His quote-unquote crime was speaking negatively about the Saudi government, right? That is the, that's, I think, the what we're missing in sort of getting into the specifics here is that the repression, the repression element of this entire crime, that the, as horrible as this is to say, that the, our focus on the ends is is distracting us from focusing on the overall intent. And Alan is right that, you know, there hasn't been enough attention paid to the female activists who were jailed, you know, who were absolutely who were jailed. There hasn't been enough attention paid to the the Saudi government's kind of insane crackdown on members of the royal family and their, you know, quote unquote corruption probe that repatriated billions of dollars from different branches of Saudi royal family and right. and large investors. So I think that Ellen is right in a way, but I also think that I mean, let, back let, to my original point, in terms of human rights abuses, I know in my heart that this does not rank highly on the priority of this administration. Wait, wait a minute. I mean I mean, first of all, we we've we have we have been complicit regarding Saudi atrocities for decades. Um, but for an administration that takes pride in energy independence, which I will give them credit, they've, they've done a great job of creating that. Uh, but the complicity that this government, not just the Trump administration, but previous administrations as well, have given the Saudi royal family and the Saudi government, I think... Should not be excused. We've turned the cheek, but when you take out a high visibility target like a journalist, that's going to raise some red flags to the point of and saying, okay, we've been quiet about all this other stuff that you've done inside your borders. Now you've taken out an American-based journalist. Yeah, no. And, and that's where the line is crossed. And we're seeing that pressure coming from even his own party. I mean, you look at Lindsey Graham, you look at Bob Corker, you look at anybody in the Senate, they are just screaming about this and the administration's handling of this. Congress is about ready to drop the hammer on the White House regarding their handling of this situation. Well, what's interesting... Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alan. Then Charmel. It, it, you know, it, it's in some ways it's prob- possible, probably fortunate for the president that that one uh, w- the the Congress is not in session right now and won't be until after, after the midterms. Right. And then we've got these midterms, and then we've got this caravan, 
And then we've got a stock market that that took that a just hit. Took a we, we, we we we've got a variety of issues here <laughs> that that are that are floating around out there. But it, this one isn't going away, and the information is continuing to come forward. And the Congress has ample uh, capacity, ability, and interest in designing some sanctions if the White House chooses not to get involved. I don't see that happening myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here thinking, oh, yeah, they're ready to get tough. No, they're going to be dragged kicking and screaming into this um, uh, because this is a president who we know doesn't mind playing footsie with autocratic, authoritarian, thuggish uh, heads of state. Um, and I'm not sure that uh, that the Saudi government is at the top of that list, um, but it's uh, it's climbing. Um, and this one happens to be particularly outrageous because of the connection to America and because of all the lies in the outset and because it was done in a third country. I mean, when the Russians almost certainly under with 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 Putin's knowledge we're we're we're, we're killing people in Great Britain with this this crazy poison you know the rest of the world spoke up and and that's what's happening now. in this case right. as, as as well but it it creeps up slowly and when we're when they're caught in lies when there is the american connection when it's a third country um the, uh, the other countries Step up too, and 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 talk about it, and make noise. Do I wish we were more out front as moral leaders? Of course I do, but the fact that that we're trying to make excuses and exaggerating the economic impact is is very annoying. But right. it's not the last chapter. Chairman, the last word. Well, I was going to say that. Looking at this incident in a more macro context, I think we also need to have a longer conversation about what the administration's excusing of Saudi Arabia is going to do to inflame sectarian tensions, which are already on the rise, right? The Obama administration got a lot of flack from Republicans and some Democrats right. for its you know, perceived accommodation right. of Iran. Um, and now you see that Turkey is really right. taking the helm in prosecuting Saudi Arabia for this crime. So the Trump administration has already showed a proclivity to be very one-sided in a lot of these conflicts. And I think that when you think about from a larger foreign policy context, and we you, still can't, and we can't, still can't see where they're going in what direction well, on this whole situation. Right. All right, we got to go. Uh, thanks for joining us, Sharm Lachari, Alan Moore. Thanks a lot, uh, everybody out there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow us on our Twitter feed at Backroom Politic. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash. Uh, Backroom Politics Radio, and you can email us, justin at backroompolitics.org, with your fan mail or your criticisms. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday for our in-depth uh, show, and we'll see you we'll later in the week. Thanks for joining.